Hey, this is Big Skinny. If this is your first time, I'd like to welcome you to the Podcheck Studio in Fort Worth. And uh, this is where we make all the magic. And I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Podcheck Presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. Today, we have a very, very special guest. This man is a Grammy award-winning songwriter. And uh, has had some great songs over the years. He spent many years with the band Chicago. As a keyboardist, vocalist, as well as playing some guitar for them. And he was a founding member of the group Sons of Champlin. Oh, Wonderground. So you may think you've seen it all. Don't tell yourself it's He's also been uh, very busy doing some solo work here in the past few months during the pandemic. I was spinning on an endless carousel. We're going to talk to him about all of that on this episode of the Podcheck Presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. And our special guest today is Mr. Bill Champlin. So make sure you stick around. All right, Big Skinny here with you on the Podcheck Presents Casual Conversations, and I am really excited for the guests that we have today. And I'm working on a Saturday for you, Mr. Champlin, working on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, there must be some kind of religious thing that's wrong here. I don't know what it would be. It's I've, it just seemed to you know we've uh, my wife Tamara, who's all over the new record, and uh, you know we I work with her all the time. Uh, she, she's been work. We've been working on this house up in Santa Barbara, so we've been driving back and forth. So I haven't had the time that I normally have to do you know to do these kind of things, which I really want to do. You know podcasts and stuff like that because I'm, I'm trying to get the word out on this new album and uh like that so you know thanks for doing saturday it's great hey you know? it's hey anytime um so you're flipping houses is what you're doing not so much flipping i think we're getting that we're putting this one together we just got it uh, i don't know three four months ago and we're just you know new floors new you know trying to make it updated a little bit and make it more of a rentable kind of thing and you know there's a few people that are looking at it to rent you know on a regular yearly basis that have uh, a, a substantial, substantially more than the than the payment. So I mean, that's what we're looking at. We're hoping hoping for the best. You know, of course, we're in California. Whatever we get, will be <laughs> taken away. I can guarantee you that. Just at the gas pumps. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna see you on a show sometime in the future. Where you're out there with a the sledgehammer, swinging it, knocking walls down and stuff. Oh yeah, I can't count on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, doubtful, highly doubtful. Tamara's Tamara's dad was an engineer. She's more into this stuff than I am. I'm just like, well, what do we do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're talking to the guy that cuts his finger washing dishes, man. We can't have you swinging a hammer, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know what I mean. <laughs> Not so good. 
So I, I think I play piano. At least I'm having a piano tuned for some reason, you know. Yeah, hey, not it's, just for my son. It's I, I like to play it too. You know what I mean? It still sounds still sounding good. I, I've had a chance to check out the new album. I'm loving it. Got some right. great music. Got some great music on there. And I tell you what, I've really been enjoying some of these videos you did uh, a few years back, where it was you and your wife and and Joseph Smith and uh, I mean that or not Joseph Smith, Joseph Williams. Yeah, Joseph, Joseph Smith. I think is another. That's a. That's a different band. That's the yeah. Mormon Church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Joseph Williams. Yeah, that's Toto. There's a difference. Yeah. That, well, yeah. There's a, quite a difference between yeah. the Mormon Church and Toto. <laughs> you're, sing, you're singing with a Tabernacle Choir now. Yeah, the yeah. Actually, I was I did a, a backgrounds and some some uh, organ playing on a Bob Weir album one time, and he had a song called Salt Lake City. We were all singing backgrounds on it, and he made us all honorary members of the Moron Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> So, so a question I did want to ask you is, um, how are you doing health wise these days? I'm pretty good. You know, I mean, uh, I just got my two shots, uh, for the, you know, the vaccine. Cause I think at it, it, it my age and having, having done chemo and all the rest of that kind of stuff that sort of put me in the, uh, in the, 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 at least the second tier of, uh, availability for uh, so i had the pfizer uh i'm the state of california was messing it up as much as they could possibly mess it up oh we'll give you your appointment for your second shot wait a minute how about the first one you know oh well we can't do that i said what are you you know and finally the hospital cedars cedars of sinai just uh, contacted me he said call this number we'll set you up and you know called it a guy named gregory set me up he was a great guy he was like oh that that was easier you know you want administration Look to a hospital, the way I look at it. They know well, how to organize it and get it together, you know? I've decided that uh, I think the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is the one for me because it's a one-shot It's a one shot dose. I know it's a little less effective, but uh, just that one shot and all yeah. the, you know, all the extra precautions they have to take with freezing this thing, you know, that other, the yeah, other it's two. Crazy. It's crazy. So I, yeah. I just figured hey, it might Moder be The Moderna has got some serious butt kicking side effects from what I heard. That's what I, I heard. That's what I heard. I heard, some, heard some really bad stories from people that took it. Man, I was almost dying for five hours, and then it went away. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> and even I think I've even got this sort of pain in my arms for some odd reason. And but it, it, it seems to be getting better. So I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I I do know that it's a lot of it has been a scam, the whole pandemic thing. But there are there are some stories. I mean, if, if you get this thing, it can be it can knock you right over. You know, and kill you. Yeah. I'd I believe it's real and I'm not going to take anything away from that. Cause I do there, believe there's people that have had pretty serious bouts of it, but also, yeah, I mean, also look at Christopher cross was in a yeah. wheelchair and walking around on canes and having to do rehab to get himself back in business. But I do, I do think that each other has used it for a political advantage one way or the other. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, that, that I do believe that that's no doubt about that. Yeah. So what have you been up to during this pandemic to stay busy besides cutting an album? Well, cut an album and now trying to trying to really, you know, I mean, always before I do a solo album, maybe for a Japanese label or, or something. And I and I've had a few solo albums, and I, and I haven't really put a lot of time into into promoting it, you know. And this one, I'm and it's a it's an album I pretty much believe in. I don't think I got a million more of these things in my, in you know, it takes a while for me to get a really good solo album out, and I don't want to do one unless it is really good. The last one I did was No Place Left to Fall. It's a pretty good album. It still stands up in a lot of ways. I still got that one you sent to me. Yeah. And then, uh, and this one is, uh, uh, this one I think it's got a lot of, it's a little different. It's not quite as 
as live as the other one was because uh, we in that in those days we could all go in the same studio at the same time. Hmm. Novel approach. <laughs> yeah, very good. But you know, so much has changed over the years with recording. Is is I mean, even even if it wasn't a pandemic, there's so many things that you can do via email, and you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. saving time. You know, not having to mail stuff back and forth, and you know, yeah. the fact that we can do it all electronically, we're not splicing tape together and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it just well, makes it a lot know, easier. It's the it's that's the the silver lining in the dark cloud because the dark cloud means that that you your records people don't have to buy it; they can just. True. You know, they can just rip it off or something. I mean, that's the whole thing. The record business started taking a dive right after Napster came on and everybody realized, oh, yep. I can get. And I think the record uh, record companies kind of missed a chance to go, hey, you can get your MP3 from Napster anytime you want. We're going to release 24-bit in your face, you know, 5-1. You know, just go go really, you know, really sonically way, way ahead of it. Because, I mean, you know, MP3s. Oh, you want to make it sound better? Turn it up. That's not really a sonic. <laughs> it's not a really smart thing to do, you know. Anyway, neither here nor there. I mean, it's funny when the pandemic happened and all these businesses started tanking really bad. I'm just, I'm just kind of going. Well, I'm really sorry. I, don't, I mean, I, I never want to see anybody fail, especially if it's no. not just because of bad management. It's like they've been handed a pretty bad situation, but I'm going, Hey, music business has been here for about 15 years. <laughs> you know, we've, we've been in this space for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you said, when was the last tower records you saw when you were driving down the street? You know what yeah. I mean? But they're not there anymore. Not there anymore. So whenever you guys are like, you're, you're making actual physical copies of the CDs. Are y'all sending those off somewhere? Or y'all doing all that yourself? We're doing it ourselves. Just packaging uh, up. The, uh, there's a, a company, great record company, but they're just really interested in digital only. And it's Imagine, uh, Imagine Records out of, I think, Baltimore or DC area. And, uh, and they've, they, I pretty much, uh, got signed a deal with them for them to, to take care of the, uh, uh, of all the digital stuff you know the amazon itunes spotify pandora apple music da 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 you know what i mean so all of that's kind of in place there with those guys and uh, and he said he he wasn't even interested in doing physical i said well do you mind if i do him he says yeah go ahead so i want to head on cool. you know we got a great cover on the album it's just it's just gorgeous uh, uh an artist named vladimir kush uh we saw a picture it was, and tamar said there's your album cover right there and we kind of knew him. We we didn't. I've never really met him, but we had a, a painting of his years ago that we bought, and we just kind of kept an eye on him because he's just a great, great, great artist based in in uh, Maui. And so we talked to one of the one of his uh, gallery managers, and he set up a situation where we licensed it from him uh, to use it as a record cover. That's been kind of a cool thing, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to get one of those physical copies. Um, yeah. Are you going to? Where do you have? Where are you selling the physicals? Just at your concerts and stuff. No, I mean, there are no concerts. At this point, it's just BillChamplin.com okay. forward forward slash shop. Okay. But you, know, you and I can talk. I'll, we'll, we'll work something out. I got <laughs> for you such a deal I got for you. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something, brother. I've had one of your songs in my head this morning. I got a little story. Um, I was singing to myself. I, I think I've had this thing stuck in my head for about two hours after the love is gone. Uh. I've, got, I've got this song stuck in my head. And let me tell you why. I've got this sweet little wife, little five foot nothing wife, and uh, she loves me like nobody's ever loved me before. But I get up this morning, okay? We got. I wanted to go to the races today. I wanted to go the, the, the to the round track, the dirt track, which is about an hour and a half away from me, and that was my yeah. plan. We're we're going to go out there and have a good night. 
lo and behold, I get, I get noticed that we got invited to a dog's birthday party from my daughter, my, my oldest daughter. And, uh, she's her dog's birthday parties today. He's a year old. He's not going to know I'm there, you know? <laughs> but, so anyway, my wife is busy baking this dog, some cookies this morning, baking him some biscuits. <laughs> Tamara made a birthday cake for Rocky too a little while back. I went, that's really great. We all ended up eating it. <laughs> Rocky didn't particularly like it. <laughs> so, so, so I'm just singing to myself, after the love is gone, this is where we're at, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Dish Jockey one time said, to answer the question, after the love is gone, uh, what do you get? Lawyers. <laughs> Man, it was pretty close to the truth. And it, all three of our writers, we were all divorced within, about, within a year of uh, – of that record coming out. It was like, well, I think we, we wrote about something that was going to happen. That we didn't know, <laughs> but you know, it seems like we almost did, you know, anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah. That, so, that song has been pretty cool. So is Tamara there with you today? I wanted to say hi to her because I, I, I talk to her all the time on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Tamara's uh, I think right now she's getting her nails done or something girly, you know, oh, and yeah. then, and then as soon as, as soon as Mike's finished, my friend Mike's tuning up my piano, as soon as he's finished, she should probably be finished and we're going to flail right up to Santa Barbara, <laughs> you know? So, so tell us about the, the tell us about the new album. Tell us the process of writing and, and putting that thing together. Well, you know, I mean, like I say, I was just kind of writing this one thing just for the sake of writing. I mean, we, we write because we write, you know, because it's just something that's in us. And that's one of the things that songwriters, I think, have over a lot of other people in a ways because they have just this sort of way of, of getting a certain catharsis, get stuff off the chest and whatever, you know. And I'm, I've been doing it for so long, I, I can't stop. I mean, I do that and I do the dishes. Anything else? Useless fucking useless you know what i mean <laughs> but uh it was just pretty crazy you know right i mean as, as far as you know uh you know handyman kind of stuff tamra's better than i am her dad was an engineer you know my dad was a lawyer you know and a judge come on bill you can hold a screwdriver man yeah well i don't know whether that's a left-handed or a right-handed <laughs> screwdriver i mean I, I gotta find out first anyway uh so we you know i it was kind of the time when lockdowns were beginning and i went Hey, I got a Pro Tools rig. We just did an album with uh, with me and Tamara and Gary Falcone called Wonderground, Bill Champlin of Wonderground. And uh, and that was, you know, I kind of really learned my chops on on at least at some level to record it. You know, so I, I just started writing new songs. I mean, there was a song on there that and the first thing I did was I called Greg Mathis and said, Greg, we got to get into it. And Greg and I. Uh, co-wrote and co-produced most of the Burn Down the Night album. And I've I've had really good luck writing with Greg. We wrote Party Time in D.C. We wrote uh, uh, Just to Be Loved, which I think a Al Giro did a cover of it. And I think it was his last charting record that I know about before he passed, a couple of years before he passed. But uh, uh, so I just had to get Greg involved in it and, uh, and a few other people. I got Tal Morris to play on one of the songs. Tal was in the Suns for a little while. We got Mark Russo to play to stack up a horn section on one of the tunes, and Mark Mark actually plays with the Doobie Brothers, but he's he's a badass. He's just one of the greatest sax players of it, and and a really cool pal. He's a really good friend. So we got in we got in We Transfer Land, and you know I sent him stuff. He played on it. He sent it back. Uh, you know Greg, you know uh, puts puts put the tunes together on Logic. I've got the, you know, took it over to Pro Tools, sent it to Mark, who took it to Digital Performer and sent it back. So some of the files were a little ugly, but we fixed them up. And then uh, and then I went to Carmen Grillo's house to do organ, and I went to Alan, organ and some drums with Gordon Campbell. And I went to uh, 
to uh, Alan Hertz's studio to do drums, and Alan also mixes. He's, he was the mixer on the record. Oh, that's cool. Alan's a talented guy. So's Carmen. Carmen's a bad boy from the word go. So Carmen played a guitar solo on it. Carmen, Carmen's a wonderful guitar player. A lot of people don't know that. And a great singer. So, I mean, he's he's a, a full tilt member of the Suns and has been for, God, over 10 years. It's great. I finally got him in there, you know? So when you're recording the vocals yourself, you're recording them in your studio with you're using Pro Tools. Are you putting any effects on those? Or are you just recording it dry and then letting somebody else put the I effects usually, on it? You know, sometimes I'll throw up an effect just to get it, you know, get a little feel for it, you know, but I'll put it on a different track and just have have the effect there. But I mean, it's really better to hand the engineer stuff that doesn't have effects on it and let yeah. him do it. I mean, Alan's use of of reverb, he knows his, his gear so well that when he puts reverb on it, it doesn't end up being too much. Yeah. You know, a couple of things here and there. I mean, I had these. I'm going to keep that. I like that. But. But uh, for the most part, he, he, I let him do delays and 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 uh, compressors and all that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, that audio is kind of tricky. It's a it's a it is. Well, you, you got to want to do it, you know. Yeah. A friend of mine who, who actually works in Dallas now, uh, John Zaka, he's a, he's a bad boy. He's serious, but I mean, he's so far into Pro Tools, and he gets deeper and deeper into uh, into that kind of that side of the production. And, and I just I'm kind of. He talks to me about it, and I turn kind of glassy-eyed and stare <laughs> off into space. And my head goes like that, the way a dog would when you're going, <laughs> you know, it was like that, that old cartoon. Blah, 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 Rocky. Blah, 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 Rocky. Blah, blah. <laughs> the, only, the only thing in the sense he could understand is his own name, you know, like that. But, but does, it, does it amaze you how quickly they can take something and master it these days and send it back to you? Is that not amazing? Well, yeah, although we, I went to a really great mastering engineer for this album, uh, a guy named Joe Gasward, and he, he's done the Grateful Dead. He's remastered a bunch of Hendrix stuff over the years. He's really good. And, and I, when I brought it, you know, I sent him some roughs of the, you know, the, the mixes. He listened to him and he said, uh, uh, bring your drive. I'll do it. He came over and he says, if you don't mind, I'm going to fly this all to a, to a vintage two track. Uh, uh, I think it's a half inch two track. And I'm going to master it off the two track. And it just adds this warmth to the record that a That's lot cool. of a, a lot of digital stuff you kind of lose. It, gets a, it can be a little screechy. You know what I mean? Yeah. The nature, just the nature of digital, you know. It, and the, the really good engineers, mixers and mastering engineers really know how to go around that. Get that shrill out of it when you're playing it. Yeah. Well, like Alan, for instance, uh, you know, one time we were mixing something for Tamara. I think it was... Uh, I forget what the song was, but we finished the mix. He said, I'm going to try something. He had a 24 track. He flew the mix to two tracks. And the mix had these sort of jagged little lines that you're looking at in the, in the edit window. Mm -hmm. And he flew it over to, uh, to, uh, uh, to a tape machine and flew it back. And it went from jagged lines to these nice little caterpillar, yeah. you know, little fuzzy little cater caterpillar. And I was going, that's cool. It's just, you know, the minute you throw tape in it, you start getting that sound that people really like. And, you know, we all do digital just because we're, that's, that's what we're all living with at this point of the game. But they, some scientists did a test. They were really interested to see what happens. And they did a, they did a session with musicians of two or three different kinds of music. And they, they recorded it to digital and to tape. And when it, when it was finally done, one of them stayed all in the digital realm and the other one stayed all in the tape realm. And they played both of them back and checked people's nervous systems while listening. 
and it turns out that the the music that was on the tape was really good for the nervous system and the music that was on digital wasn't wow that's amazing so that's i mean i mean that's just scientific stuff and i don't think it really makes all that much difference you know yeah well, <coughs> but it's like you know somebody, somebody thought high screech trumpet players had more more uh more pressure on their brains when it was actually oboe players <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's always what you think ain't necessarily what what it is yeah and it, and it might just depend on what they were listening to yeah that's yeah, true <laughs> well there's that yeah <laughs> i was i remember years and years ago i was driving through texas and i remember i was right near johnson city or something and there was a local radio station remember that album this woman somebody put out an album mrs miller yeah did you go back it was a joke record it was a stupid record. you have it at a party you play one song off it so everybody can laugh and you throw it away right yeah and she was horrible there was nothing nothing musically and and this disc jockey was doing a promotion come out saturday to such and such a baseball field and we're going to have a mrs miller album throw <laughs> so I thought was, you know and then later on they had you know comiskey park where they they burned all the disco records but they didn't just burn disco records. They were burning good R&B records. Stevie Wonder and oh yeah, Earth, Wind & Fire stuff. I was like, well, you guys kind of missed the point, I think, a little bit. But there you go. You know, and I and I grew up, I had two older brothers. I had, and uh, they were big, huge Bee Gees fans. And so oh, that was that, that was their music when I was growing up. You know, that's the stuff I grew up listening to. Still a big fan of the, of the Bee Gees today. I am fact, too. I'm, I mean, have you seen that uh, that documentary that they had? Yes, sir. I just got through watching that on HBO. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that was awesome, man. Really beautiful. I mean, Barry was. I mean, Barry was is was and is a really talented guy. You know, he's, and he and he was so involved in so many artists. With I mean, yeah. so many artists. You know, over the years. Huh. But you know, you know you, when it came to writing for those artists, he'd usually go <coughs> write it with his two brothers. Yeah. Is he just you know you have your your writing people? That's why when I when I did the album was I got to get a hold of Matheson. Simple simple as that. And Bruce Geich. Bruce sent me a track that he had cut. Oh, I don't know, maybe five years ago that had George Hawkins on it. And we lost George a couple of years ago. He died from uh, lymphoma. And I've, I've always loved George's bass playing. He's one of my favorite bass players on the, on the earth. He did all those Kenny, big Kenny Loggins records was one of the singers on those records. He, he, he sang with a zoo. He was, he worked with Jero. He worked with John Fogarty. He was just one of those guys that was always working. And he was one of my favorite bass players and singers and co-writers. He and I and Bruce co-wrote a lot of the uh, uh, No Place Left to Fall out. You know, he's really badass, you know. And we lost him. And, I, and I, all of a sudden, Bruce sends me a track. He's got George on it. I'm going, oh, God, I can get at least one more George track. And the track was just Bruce on, on keyboards and guitar and, uh, and George Hawkins on bass and Vinnie Colliuta on drums. And I just put some B3 on it, and Tamara and I wrote it in an hour and a half, and we were doing vocals that quick. That was you know? cool. We were like on it, and that turned out to be the first song on the record, uh, Reason to Believe. You know, I tell you what's, what's really cool. We're, you know, we're talking about Barry Gibb here, all the people that he's worked with. You know, there are certain artists that come along, you know, Steve Lukather and guys like you that have been involved with doing a heavy, heavy amount of session work back yeah. in the day and probably still are to some extent, but can you Luke's, tell us? Luke's ridiculous. I mean, he's, I mean, his discography has got to be in the, you know, multiple thousands in terms of how many dates that guy's got. Yeah. That, guy, that guy's awesome, amazing. Awesome musician. Awesome. Creative and, uh, and clean playing. If you need it, you want, you want to go on the white side. He's there. You want to go acoustic. He's there. I mean, he's, 
his uh, his arsenal of of tools is ridiculous. He's just a bad boy all the way around. You know, I did a lot of vocal dates, but I, I don't. I didn't touch the amount of dates that Foster did and Graydon and Luke and all of those guys were just. You know, they were they were on fire. They just did every every session in town. Who were you singing background vocals for? Oh God, we did. Uh, my God, we did. I started off. I mean, there's one day I did Della Reese in the morning and Donnie and Marie Osmond in the afternoon. <laughs> that's that's a stretch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Nancy Wilson, the jazz singer. I've done uh, uh, Latoya Jackson. We did one, and, and then at some point of the game, I started doing. Uh, I was doing my, my single album with, and we're do, doing a track with Bobby Kimball, just doing a background track a song called "I Don't Want You Anymore." And I went. I, I was going to do a session with Michael McDonald, and Bobby said, "Let me come with you." So you know, he followed me over to the other studio, and I walked in. Next thing you know, the three of us were singing together, and then we were doing background vocals all over the place. I can't even remember how many people. I did a bunch of Donna Summer stuff, a bunch of Elton John stuff. Uh, hey, I even did a background on a Jimmy Smith record. I, I was I flew down from San Francisco. I still lived up there. I flew down, and, and he wasn't there. Gene McDaniels was the producer, really nice guy, a good singer and writer himself. But uh, I was going, I wanted to meet Jimmy Smith. <laughs> you know, what the hell? I did the date. But uh, I mean, it just it it at some point of the game, it was just like I had a briefcase with you know with W fours or W nines now, and uh, and uh, a couple of ping pong paddles and some Halex balls because sometimes you got to switch tapes. Good time to get in a game, you know? What I mean? Because there was a there was a ping pong table at every session at every studio in town. So as long as you've been doing this, is there somebody that you wanted to meet and you had the chance to meet one of your idols that maybe you grew up listening to or was one well, of the people that you admired? One of the biggest, in a way, one of the biggest moments of my life was years ago. It was long before I moved to L.A. and I was playing with the Suns. And we did a gig where we were third lining. There were three, three uh, build artists. It was Yardbirds, B.B. King and the Suns. And they had the stage set up. It was really cool. They had the stage set up where one band's playing here and they're setting up the next one over here. Uh, you know, it's like one's here, one's here. And, he pl you know, we played and the next thing was B.B. King was going to be over here. And the next was Yardbirds here. The next was us over here. So you could you didn't have that between band 20 yeah. minutes to reset the stage and set it up wrong. It just goes boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so it's just boom like that. It was really a cool way of doing it. If you got that wide a stage, you can make it work. But uh, in our contract with the promoters, this was at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. Our contract was for BB to use our Hammond organ, and he had a set of pedals that they could put in. So, and and his organ player, a guy named Duke Jethro, great musician, used to play pedals. So BB BB's band at the time was Sonny Freeman on drums, a sax player, a trumpet player, and Duke, uh, an organist. That was it. We blew a fuse at the end of our set. And and so the organ was out of whack until somebody could go get a fuse. So somebody went out for a fuse, but BB was supposed to go on. And the promoter comes up to our our studio and says, "Hey, BB needs a bass player." And my bass player, uh, Al Strong, good guy, he knew our our music pretty well. He had an Ampeg fretless, and he went over to get his bass. I went over, Al. Have you ever heard of BB King? Al was kind of a jazz guy. He said, "Have you ever heard of BB King?" He says, "No." Can you name me one BB King song? He said, "No." Give me that. <laughs> and he said, yeah, maybe it's better that you did that. So I went down and I played a set on bass with B.B. King. I learned more about the shuffle from, from playing with Sonny Freeman than I did any other time in my music, in my music career. And B.B. was such a sweet guy. It was just, it was just one of those really great, you know, 
great moments that just happen to you out of nowhere, you know. I mean, I backed up Chuck Berry once. It wasn't the same, you know. Chuck yeah. wasn't real great to to those players. He just expected him to know his shit and and never thanked him and never did anything. BB was the other way around. He was really sweet. He was a really good guy. The ambassador, at, the ambassador of the blues. I mean, that was who he yeah. was really for years. Looking back at all your session work that you did over the year, is there something that stands out to you? Is something like you look at and I mean, maybe something you're the most proud of, or I mean, well, and I did a duet with Patty LaBelle and, uh, and it, it went on the Miami vice two record missed it by that much. That was the year they decided to go up against Dallas wrong move so i mean their yeah. the tv show was great the first year because they weren't they weren't in competition with anybody particularly so they decided hey our show is so big we're going to go up against dallas and dallas kicked their ass and that was kind of the end of miami vice which I, everybody thought that was going to be on for five or ten years it only lasted a couple of years you know anyway so the the first miami vice album did really well and the second one didn't, and it should have. Uh, uh, a song called Last Unbroken Heart with Patti LaBelle is like, I just did a duet with Patti LaBelle. I've been aware of her and how good she is since Patti and the Bluebells. That's a long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. And you've been and you've been doing this for how long? How many years? I joined the Musicians Union when I was 14. So it's that's six years ago. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm from LA. It's the law. You have to lie about your age. I tell everybody, happy 29th birthday. In L.A., you're 29, because the, the, the number three never is the first. <laughs> no, I've been uh, playing for, I don't know, well over 50 years. Man. What a career. What a career, sir. Well, I'll tell you what, wrapping it up here, and uh, I'm going to let you, uh, that guy back there plunking around that piano trying to tune that dude up. Yeah, you can hear Yeah, he's he's good, man. He, he makes the thing sound really great. But I was just I, in the middle of writing a song and I was just I happened to be in the key of B and the, the D sharp of the chord I was playing was just beating like crazy. I thought it was, you know, opting for a for a, a percussion overdub. You know what I mean? It was you could just hear it, you know, as of this. It's I'm way overdue for the million mile checkup. You know what I mean? Tell everybody where they can get your uh, CD. Okay, the CD you can get at Bill Champlin, B-I-L-L-C-H-A-M-P-L-I-N dot com. That's pretty easy. Forward slash shop. But if you just go to BillChamplin.com, it'll lead you to where to where you can pick it up. And Tamara's got a whole thing going with PayPal. And she's got a situation happening where she can, you know, put a put a label, get take your name, put a label on it, and we're and it's out the door. And it's down to the mail mailbox right away. Awesome. Yeah, I mean the the going international is a different story. That's a whole other move that you got to do. You got to do customs and all the all the rest of the stuff that goes along with that, you know. But in the United States, it's bang, you know. We we got it. You got it. It's that quick. All right, brother. Well, hang loose. Don't go anywhere. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, end this this uh, interview out. But great, Kenny. It's just, great talking just, to you, man. I'm glad uh, I'm glad I had a chance to. I'm glad I, I'm. Thank you for giving me your Saturday because. Hey, uh, I, got a, I, got a, I got a tech coming into the studio on Mondays. That's going to take all day. You know how that works, you know? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. But hang, hang, hang loose for a second. Once we get, we we'll end this thing out. Okay. Cool. Great. This is big skinny. And you've been listening to the pot check presents casual conversations with big skinny until next time. Stay safe, stay healthy. Hey, we'll see you.